Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. This book of Hebrews that we're in, um, it's very, it can be confusing to a lot of different people. There's a lot of things in there that there, some of them are difficult to connect, but this is one of my favorite books because it really elevates the richness of Christ. And the writer of the book of Hebrews is, is pull, pulling together all the things that we've been looking at in the Old Testament. And so I want to give you a little bit of context of this book. Some people don't know the context of it, but the purpose of the whole book was to encourage Jewish followers of Jesus to stay the course. And so as they, as Jewish followers of Jesus, as they followed Jesus, as they had put their trust in Jesus, they were being pressured. And in the time of this letter, there was a great persecution towards Christians. Um, Matter of fact, Christianity was illegal in the Roman Empire, but Judaism was not. And when this book was, was written, we need to understand sacrifices were still happening in the temple for the remission of sins through Judaism. Um, and actually, what that means is this was written before 70 AD, before the temple was destroyed. And Jesus prophesied that that was going to happen. But during this time, there was incredible persecution after the resurrection of Jesus towards those who were following Jesus. And so this is the context of it. These Jewish followers of Jesus, they were being pressured to turn from following Jesus back to Judaism. Now, why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the, the Jewish culture, is they do everything together. They, they, go, they have dinner together. They celebrate the feast together. They have family businesses together. It's about family. It's about all these different things. And, and these families who were following Jesus, now that was cut off from them. Their economic, social, um, all those things that would be important to an individual were cut off from them because now because they're following Jesus, they, didn't, they, didn't, they were cut off from their family because the family rejected them. They were cut off from Rome and, and the Roman citizens because their religion was illegal. And so they were in between a rock and a hard place. And they were hurting. They were being persecuted. They were losing their jobs. And so there was a way that they could have alleviated. There was a way. They could have alleviated this pressure. There, there was a way. There's always a way that you can actually escape persecution. And what they needed to do, if they would just go back to the synagogue, and if they would go in and, and begin to worship like the, the Jews at the time, they would be accepted. But before they could do that, they had to do something. They had to have a public hearing in the synagogue with the rabbis and other leaders and they could be restored back in the fellowship. They just had to stand and they just had to confess and they just had to deny that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They had to say he is not the Messiah of the Torah. That's all they had to do. And so they were suffering. They were in a huge dilemma. And these followers had heard Jesus, they had given their life to Jesus. Imagine this, they were Jews who had never experienced the cleansing and forgiveness and the release of the shame and guilt on their hearts. They'd never felt that. They put their faith in Christ and all of a sudden they had no more shame, no more guilt. 
They had no more, no more um, this sense of, of, of condemnation. They were free from it. But now they don't fit anywhere. They don't fit in at school, their jobs. They're losing their property. They're no, they're no longer in the fellowship anymore. And there's this pressure to publicly reject Jesus if you want to escape persecution. For them returning to the synagogue, yes, it would be safe, but it wouldn't be safe for their souls. So this writer of Hebrews is compelling them. He's warning them, if you turn back, it's not gonna be good. He's warning them, don't turn back. Now, here's the other thing. If they were to turn back, then they would go back into the sacrificial system of sacrificing animals for the remission of sins. And so the writer says this. He's, he's really saying that if you do that, it's a profane act towards God. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Hebrews 6, 6 says that when, when, they, when they begin, if they were to begin to sacrifice animals, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to, to public disgrace. So this book is to them and this book is to us. And it's to tell them and to tell us, friends, stand firm, don't give up, don't turn back regardless of the pressure of the pain, don't drift away. The writer of this book appeals them. He warns them, he shows them. Listen, Jesus is superior. Jesus is the beauty and the, and the, and the apple of God's eye. Jesus is the love of God put on display for us. He shows them that everything of the old the old covenant was pointing to Jesus. Something greater to come would be found in Jesus. And so Jesus has paved the way. He has come. He was, he was the spotless lamb that was sacrificed for them. And the writer of this understands their suffering. And he understands that they need to remain and stay in faith. And he's telling them, don't go back but do go on. We're gonna, we're gonna face times in our life that we're gonna have the opportunity to go back to where we came from. We're gonna have an opportunity to go back to a mindset of where we came from that Jesus delivered us from. We're gonna have the opportunity to, to go back to a place that was really, it, it felt safe for us. We're gonna have time to go back to maybe a compromise or go back to a way of living or go back to to living just how we were before. And the writer of Hebrews tells you and me, don't go back, but do go on. Keep moving forward, don't stop. So this book of Hebrews is really rich. First six chapters, I wanna give a context. First six chapters tell us who Jesus is. Then chapters seven and 10 tell us what Jesus has done and is doing. Then it tells us that what, what Jesus is going to do in, in the future. And, but then we come to this last section. It's really speaking about the result of our faith. And actually, I'll say it this way. It's speaking about the consequence of your faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's really what, it, what it's speaking about. The consequence in our lives that comes from knowing and following Jesus Christ. 
What we don't recognize is that there is a cost to follow Jesus. We live, we live in a pretty free, free world, right? I mean, yeah, the worst thing you do following, oh, you get canceled. Okay, great. I don't, you know, have social media anymore, right? Or maybe you can even get canceled from your job, or maybe you can get canceled and drugged through the media, or wh whatever it may be for following Jesus. It's very rare that we're suffering like they're suffering. But I, I, wanna, I want us to read today one of, the, one of the most familiar chapters of the Bible. Yes, we're going to read a chapter of the Bible in church. <laughs> Crazy. Wild. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, and you can pull out your phones or your, or your Bibles. We're going to put it up on the screen as well. But I'm going to read the whole chapter. And so the writer of Hebrews has walked them to this place, told them who Jesus is, told them what Jesus has done, connected them to the old, the old covenant, how Jesus has fulfilled it. And here we are, Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith starting verse one, is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith. Now look, we could see all these great characters that we've been looking at over the last nine months. By faith, Abel offered God a better, better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch, which we didn't actually talk much about, was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. All right. For some participation, friends, every time we see by faith, let's say it together. You ready? Verse 7. By faith. Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Verse eight, here we go. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, good job. He made his home in, in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign land. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Here we go. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants, as numerous as the stars of the sky and countless of the sands of the seashore. All these people were still living. I want you to catch that. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not. Everybody said did not. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. 
So this is something about faith. They saw as the, as the, first, as the first definition, they saw something that they actually couldn't see with their eyes, but they still saw it by faith. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Here we go. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Here we go. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. And again, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his when, excuse me, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, excuse me, by faith, verse 24, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with, along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for several days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lion, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed and rooted foreign army, armies. Verse 35, women received back their dead. All this is done by faith, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword, They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they 
be made perfect. I want us to think about the context of all of that this morning. And I want to begin by looking at verse 8. It says that by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Everybody say obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. So this is the reality of faith. That he obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going to go. I believe this little phrase, and I want you to catch it today, this little phrase, it's a definition of faith. I don't know we have it in verse one, but this phrase to me fits really well, that faith is this, that you, you go even though you don't know where you're going or the end result. Because faith is more than, more than seen, it's more than spoken Really, it's demonstrated. I have this little phrase I'll use every once in a while. You can tell your faith, not by your feelings, but by your feet. You can tell your faith, not by how you feel, but by actually what you're doing. And here we read about Abraham who, who obeyed and went, though he did not know where he was going. And the writer of Hebrews is letting these Jewish followers know and letting us know today, friends, following Jesus is about following him to the places that are unknown, to the social places that are unknown, the economic places that are unknown, the family places that are unknown, maybe the geographical places that are unknown, maybe decisions in your life that are unknown. But following Jesus is obeying him even though you don't know how it's going to turn out. That's what he's telling them. Obedience to God is not about reason. It's about faith. If it was called, if it was about reason, it'd be called reason, not faith. Abraham's obedience was about going and not knowing. Now, this type of faith today would be considered unorganized, It'd be considered irresponsible. It'd be considered foolish. But God calls this demonstration when we see the, where they went, where they didn't know, where they obeyed when they didn't know the outcome. You know what God calls it? Faith. I want us to have a firm, unmistakable understanding about this, this journey that we're in, friends. We are in a journey of faith. We are walking with God and we recognize that we're not home yet. Now, if we live like the scripture says, you can live like you're at home. But these people who made the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, they lived as though they were aliens in a foreign land. Why? Because they had faith. And what's really interesting about chapter 11 is that some conquered by faith. And we love those stories. I love those stories. I love conquered by faith. They were, they, by faith, they were, something was going on and they were delivered from the sword or something was happening and by faith, they trusted God. And in their weakness, God showed his strength and delivered them by faith. But in the same chapter, you have those who by faith endured the sword and died. 
Wait a minute. I like this faith better. <laughs> we like that, don't we? We like to see the results right now. Come on, give it to me. But that's not the journey of faith. Some were raised from the dead by faith. And we like that. We write books about it. Now, I'll tell you what, if, if, if I pray for somebody, raise, raise someone from the dead, you know how many books I could sell? And if we documented it, you know how many views on YouTube we could get? Media team, that, that's what we'll think. Let's just raise some from, from the dead and we'll be good. That's great. Like, you, we love that. Some are raised from the dead by faith. Others enter death by faith. This is, a, this, is a, this is a mature message today. But this is the writer who's telling these folks who were hurting. You got to stay the course. Don't give up. Don't quit. God can do something amazing, but you may die by faith. But, the, but here's the deal. Don't lose your faith. Don't turn back. Don't go back. Don't reject Jesus to, to, to kind of ease your own pain. Don't be like Esau and, and forfeit your birthright just for something now because you need it and you're hurting. Stay the course. And the conclusion of, of this Hebrews 11 is this, that it requires as much faith to be martyred as it does for a miracle. Both require steadfast unshakable, unmovable faith and trust in the sovereignty of God. But you're not moving, you're not gonna stop believing, but you're trusting God in it. And so many of us today confuse the, the demonstration of our faith is we'll say this, oh, wow, you were praying for something and God answered your prayer, wow, you've got more faith than I do. Why do we conclude that? Well, because they, their, their prayer was answered. But what about someone who prays for something and doesn't quit and doesn't give up, who stays in the fight, who believes the faithfulness of God and dies still believing that God is faithful? What about that one? We like talking about that one. But according to Hebrews 11, God rewards both outcomes Excuse me, he doesn't reward the outcomes, he rewards their faith regardless of the outcomes. This is the life of faith we're in. We do things that don't make sense. We believe God to, to do miracles that we, we can't do anything about it. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that one day we're gonna be with him in eternity. None of us have ever been there. We've never been to heaven. But we, but we see something in the future that we, he's, he's doing something now that we know God is at work. And regardless of what happens, I'm going to stay and with my faith put in Jesus Christ and the work of God. And I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. Back to kind of how this falls with us. It'd be a serious biblical misunderstanding 
to think that the faith that's demonstrated in the healing of an illness is a different faith that's demonstrated by an individual who continues to trust God unto death. Now listen, I believe in miracles today. I believe in healing. I've seen God do some incredible stuff. So I'm not doubting the work of, of God and his word today. But I also believe in an eternity. I also believe that this world's not our home. I also believe that I belong, I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. I also believe that, that when my body turns to dust, this is not my final resting place. I also believe that when I said yes to Jesus, I stepped into a kingdom relationship with him that has its, its, its manifestation on this earth, but it also will have its manifestation in my final destination. I believe in, in, the, in this God, but I know this, that it is not the outcomes that please God, but it is my faith regardless of the outcomes that God says, that's my boy, I'm proud of you. <clears throat> so for us as, as humans, when we're faced with human conditions, could be external, internal, whatever that is. When when we are confronted with how temporary we actually are, we can come to this place, either we can just be in denial or we can actually Boil our faith down or our belief down to the foundation of this. I'm going to believe God no matter what. And we live in a, in a paradox where in Hebrews 11, the faith paradox that both are true. God delivers by faith from the sword. God delivers by faith to the sword. And so Hebrews 11 is about believing and trusting God. Even though things go south, even though things aren't aren't the best. Now listen, it doesn't mean you don't do anything about them. It doesn't mean you don't pray. It doesn't mean you don't walk in your stewardship role of this earth. It doesn't mean you don't take care of your family. It doesn't mean you don't speak out for righteousness. It doesn't mean that you don't stand up for the innocent. It doesn't mean that you don't feed the poor and preach the gospel. I'm not saying that's what this means. What I'm saying is this is that we need to understand everything we do on this earth is by faith and our belief that God is God and he has called us to be a part of this, but this world is not our home. So we have one opportunity, one opportunity for this life. We don't get, we're not put back on this earth again. One opportunity by faith to love the people in our family. One opportunity by faith to give and to to give our first fruits and to bring our resources to God. We have one opportunity to live for him. We have one opportunity to pursue the righteousness of God. We have one. And that faith as we're doing that here on this earth is regardless of the outcome is what God will reward in heaven. And I believe this tension that we live in is the reason we have this chapter in the Bible. 
Most of us jump, jump to, the, to the fun part and we don't look at the other parts. But here's the deal. Chapter 11 is a setup for chapter 12. There, there's no separation of thought. It's just a, a place to, to go to. And there's no separation of thought. So after the writer tells his followers of Jesus and tells them about these men and women in chapter 11, he uses them, he's encouraging them. Listen, stay the course, don't give up, don't back down. And so after he, he explains their faith in death and in deliverance, there's a shift. There's a shift in his writing. And he's like, so I, I told you about these different manifestations of faith. Here they are, this, you have Abram, you have some received their dead back, some by faith went to death. So here, here you are, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what you're facing, he goes on to the next sentence, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now in the past, I'd see these witnesses as like people in heaven, like cheering us on, right? That's actually not the context. The word witness does not mean spectators. The word actually means martyrs. So it comes directly from the Greek word translated as witness. So these people are, are not witnessing what we're doing. They are bearing witness to us through their lives, through their faithfulness, what they stayed the course, what they didn't give up on. It's saying they are our example that God can see us through like he did with them. He can see us through today no matter what. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through. He's saying, listen, don't give up. These are our examples. Just like God was faithful to them, God will be faithful to you. And just like God, God honored and rewarded their faith to them, regardless of the outcome, God will reward your faith today. Stay the course. Don't give up. Don't back down. He's saying the stories of these martyrs, of there, there are witnesses. It's for us to take note, to watch, to listen. And this is the heart of this. Remember, this book is connecting and proving that faith in Jesus is where you're going to find forgiveness, where you're going to find help, where you're going to find an advocate, where you're going to find rest for your weary soul on this earth and in the next. Don't give up running your race. Don't quit. And keep your heart connected and believing in God. Listen, people fall away from church, from faith all the time. And for the most part, it's because of a need that they have that they can't understand. They can't wrap their head around why God hasn't met their need. And so they go, I'm out. It could be loneliness. Maybe you're single and you're waiting for the right person. It's just, oh, it just, it just doesn't happen. And you're so frustrated and you have a need. 
Many people then leave their faith and say, I know I'm not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I know that I'm not supposed to, to, I'm supposed to save myself before marriage, but I'm lonely. And their need in their life leads them to a decision to go back to where God delivered them from. Most people fall away from church because really just, it's a selfishness thing. We, we have a need. And we're like, well, it doesn't meet my need. Or, or what happens, we get hurt in church. Someone does something or says something and we go, I'm out. Because we have, a, we, we have this need inside of us that, that hasn't been met by Jesus. And so we think, well, it's your fault and we shift. And so then we go back and we separate ourselves from what God has for us. We go back and we, and we, and we lose out on, on the opportunity we had to engage our faith, to double down, to not give up to stay a part of God's family. A lot of people fall away because of pain, because of disappointment, because you prayed for someone dear to your life that, that they died and you don't understand and you say, fine God, apparently I can't trust you. Well, here's the deal, you misunderstand faith because faith is not about the outcome, but it's about your belief that God is faithful. Whether you can see it with your own two eyes, by faith you, be, you believe that he is faithful and good and he will finish the work that he began in you whether you can see it or not. That's faith and it's faith that pleases God. And we can, we can allow people to earn things and difficulties in our loss, in our pain, in our disappointment, in our betrayal that someone betrays us. Why God, if you were God, if you love me, why would you let this happen? All this, all this kind of stuff. And we justify our decisions of not finishing the race that God has for us. Because God didn't do it my way. But look at these people who finished the course. Therefore, because of them, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses or examples, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What, what is this sin? It's just the, the sin is this. It's, it's no longer putting our faith in God. No longer saying, you know, God, I believe you. Even though I don't feel it, I believe you. And I know your word's true. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Perseverance. Perseverance. Means it's not always going to be easy. You're not always going to understand it. You don't always want to. But you run the race of perseverance. I'm not going to quit, God. I feel like giving up. I feel like taking a pit stop for the rest of my life. I feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like never going back to church. I feel like, God, where are you? I, uh, God, I feel this way, but my faith will not be shaken. That's the difference between faith and feelings. You can, you can tell your faith by your feet, not by your feelings, by your decisions. And the race you and I are running, it's not a competition. <laughs> it's not a competition. Well, I prayed and I got to answer my prayer. Uh-huh, beat you. This is not what this is about. 
no matter what we face, no matter what we walk through, this is what you need to know. We can endure, we can have faith, we can see miracles, and here's how you endure it. This is how you accomplish it. The very next sentence, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured such opposition from sinners. Consider what he went through so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Stay in the fight. Don't back down. Because we have examples of people who have done it. It is the reward of faith. And maybe you've given up the race. Maybe there were things that you've believed for. Maybe there was a, a desire that of your own heart that you just believe God. Maybe there is a miracle that you're believing for. Maybe there's a, a healing that you're believing for. Maybe there's a restoration of your family, of your children that you're believing for. And somewhere along the way, you've just been convinced God's, God's not going to do it. Listen, that's not your responsibility. The outcome of the situation you're praying for is not your responsibility because you can do nothing about it anyway. But what is your responsibility? It's like these precious people in Hebrews 11. Don't lose faith. Don't go back. Don't doubt God. Stay in the game. Stay in the race. Don't let someone cut in. Don't give up. So come hell or high water, I'm going to believe you, God, regardless if I see it with my eyes. Listen, this is the faith that God rewards. Many of us hold our, our obedience hostage to God. It's like we negotiate. It's like we're, we're figuring out some real estate deal. And we're like, well, God, listen, I'll do this if you do that. That's not faith. That's a business trans transaction. That's, that's, that's a contract. God's not into contracts, but he is into covenants. Some of us have just held our, we just said, God, fine. You know what, God, fine. And many of us, we, we won't, we'll believe in you. We'll believe in Jesus for our own salvation. And we're, we're not that dumb. We're not going to give that up. But these other things, we just, just forget it, God. I'm not going to run my race anymore. I'm, I'm not going to be obedient in these other areas I'll believe you for salvation, but I just forget it. And what happens is, is we stall out and we don't live the life that God's called us. We don't live the adventure of miracles. We don't live the sense of supernatural. We don't live this, this sense of peace and assurance. And Hebrews speaks about a rest that we can enter. So you can enter in God's rest. Well, is that on Sundays? And, and there's some connection, right, to to creation and after God had finished creating on the seventh day, he what? He rested. 
So let me ask you, is God still in a state of rest? He is. After creation, he rested. And by your faith, you can find rest in God. And the rest isn't just about on one day. It's about every single second of your life. Regardless of your circumstances, you can be at peace and at rest because you are resting in God's rest, not your rest, in God's rest. So it surpasses your mind, your understanding, your circumstances, what you're dealing with, what you're going through, the pressure you're feeling. God has a rest for you that is made available to you through your faith in Christ, but through your faith that God is sovereign, God is good, he is faithful, and I can trust him regardless of what I see with my eyes. When you believe this, no sacrifice is too great. No act of obedience is too much. When you see it this way, you will do things that don't make sense to everybody else. You will do things that, that says, I, I'm trusting God in this. You'll make decisions that, you go, well, that's not the American way. Yeah, I know, I'm about the kingdom way. When you believe this, you're gonna take risk and you're gonna be, get ridiculed and you're gonna be pressured in on, you're gonna get persecuted. But you know what, we don't live for this world because we are aliens. We live for the kingdom of God to be manifest on this world through our lives, amen? So we stay the course. You don't give up, even though you don't know where you're going. Even though you don't know where you're going. God has a great rest for you, but it's found in you putting your faith in the hands of a good God. We obey and we go even though we don't know where we're going or the outcome of our faith. And so I believe that God is wanting to infuse a fresh, a fresh belief that he is able, that you can release yourself from the pressure of the outcome. Yes, we are, we do what God's called us to do. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't do that. I'm just saying many of us are living such turmoiled lives because we're trying to control the outcome instead of just resting that God is sovereign and I'm putting my faith in you. I'm not gonna stop believing. I'm not, I'm not gonna stop praying. You remember when you used to believe that God would do something great in your life? Remember when you used to believe that God would just, you'll be a part of a great revival one day? Remember when you used to believe that that you're gonna pray for someone, for someone who's sick and they're gonna be healed? Remember when you used to believe that God's gonna restore your family? Remember when you used to believe that God's gonna bring you a spouse? Remember when you used to believe that God is able and he's, nothing is impossible? You remember when you used to believe that it doesn't matter what he asks you, the Bible says that you're gonna do it. Remember when you used to believe that? It's time that we rekindle that faith. Ask yourself, why don't I believe that anymore? Well, I've been convinced that maybe God isn't gonna do it, but that's not faith. 
believe. Trust me. Trust God. Lean into him. Don't give up. Don't back down. Stay fervent. Stay in the game. Don't go back, but do go on. But do keep believing. When we get to heaven, our reward is not going to be based on what the outcome of our faith was on this earth. It's going to be based on did we, did we believe God even if we didn't see it with our own eyes? Did we believe God when we did see it? And so God's inviting us to rekindle our faith back to the place of purity. Amen? And he's made that possible through his son, Jesus Christ. So no matter where you are today, no matter what you're facing, he's with you because you have an advocate. He's praying for you. He is seated at the right hand of the Father on your behalf. You are with him in heavenly places by faith. And that God wants to do something great in your life today. He wants to restore the peace and rest and he wants to release fresh faith to you so that we can celebrate together as a family what God is doing in us and through us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the context of it. Lord, today I know there are people here today who have fallen away from could be their faith in you, Jesus. Could be they've fallen away that maybe they've, they doubt that you're even sovereign anymore. Maybe they doubt that you can still move and supernaturally change things because they haven't seen it. But God, that's irrelevant. Lord, we confess today. We ask you to forgive us, God. Forgive us for falling away. Forgive us for turning back. Forgive us for for not pressing on, for not running our race, for not continuing to believe, for, for, forgive us for not conquering our fear with the reality that, of who you are. Lord, today, we realign our faith with the faith of Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, that regardless of the outcome, they never stopped believing in you. And they were rewarded for their faith. So God, may they be our witnesses that we're gonna keep pressing on and keep being and doing what God's called us to be and do. Keep praying for our family, keep praying for our city, keep praying for, for those who are parts of, of society, God, that, have, that are really hurting, that have been rejected by the church. God, we keep praying, we keep believing we keep believing for a, an outpouring of your spirit. We keep believing for a renewal of our minds. We keep believing for the healing of our bodies. We keep believing for provision of our finances. We keep believing, whatever that is, today we say yes. Just remain with your head bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to align your life First off, with putting your trust in him, receiving forgiveness of your sins and securing your life and eternity with him. Nobody's looking around. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, just raise your hand right where you are. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. 
I'm going to lead you in a prayer that just simply acknowledges what Jesus has done. And we're going to all pray together. If you would want to, want to receive what Christ has done for you, let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I put my trust in you. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, I'm putting my faith in you. Thank you for loving me and thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.